listening to the Confronting Christianity podcast and I'm here with my friend Elizabeth Woodson. Uh, If you don't yet know Elizabeth, she is a Bible teacher, theologian, author. She's founder of the Woodson Institute, an organization that equips believers to understand and grow in their Christian faith. So she loves helping people internalize their faith, connect it practically to everyday life. And she's passionate about creating pathways for discipleship and theological education in the local church context. Elizabeth's a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary with a master's in Christian education. She's a contributing author for World on Fire, uh, the author of two excellent books. One, Embrace Your Life, How to Find Joy, When the Life You Have is Not the Life You'd Hoped For, and From Beginning to Forever, a study on the grand narrative of scripture. She's also the host of a podcast in the same family to this one uh, called The Starting Place, where she talks about what Christians believe and how those beliefs connect to our everyday lives. Uh, Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining me here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think the last time I saw you, Elizabeth, well, I may be actually forgetting the, the chronology of it because I saw you at a conference, but I most pleasingly saw you in an airport for about 30 <laughs> seconds where I like grabbed you and took a selfie and yeah. then um, pranked our, our mutual friend, Kyle Woolley, who I previously hosted this podcast with that you and I had recorded a mini episode in the airport <laughs> and I knew I just knew it would make him so happy and that it would be quite funny to kind of raise that joy in his heart and then dash it to the ground Drop again. It down. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, but Elizabeth, tell us tell us more about you. I'd actually love it before we start talking about the sort of main question of this episode, which is how do our lives potentially or do they fit into um, the sort of big story that the Bible is telling, you know, yeah. you're my story. How how might they or might they not fit into the big story of the Bible? But I'd love to, to hear for a minute just your own kind of life context right now, um, yeah. where you're serving, how you're serving, um, and perhaps also like how you came to be a Christian in the first place. It's always fun to hear people's stories in that respect. Yeah, so I spend the majority of my time either writing or speaking. So words of some format on paper Mm -hmm. or through my voice and helping people understand, like, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does our Bible say? Why are any of those things important for the things that are connected to culture? So I love kind of taking these ideas of uh, the truth of the Christian faith Mm -hmm. and how does that affect how we handle our relationships or how does that affect how we vote or how does that affect how I navigate what it means to be a part of a church community. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what I spend my time either on paper or in front of a microphone doing Mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. And part of that is my own personal journey and trying to figure out what the gospel means. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, which I tell people was great. Uh, but when I came to faith as a kid, Christianity was just what we did. Yeah. So nothing in my life changed that dramatically. I don't have this, you know, I used to be in a gutters type of story and the Lord pulled me out of it. And so for much of my teenage years and into college, it really was this curiosity of why is the gospel one so weighty and important? Like this really seems like it's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. I was part of a youth group in my church and that just was not the way they presented Christianity and I was like I just feel like there's more to it than what we're talking about mm, here and the right. games we're playing <laughs> um, and so it just was this this curiosity that led me to just different churches and to try to seek like books and just to learn from people so it's a huge learning journey but also a journey in which you know I had some really hard moments especially in college mm. um, whether it was you know habits I picked up to deal with pain people I connected myself with in relationships that I shouldn't have been all trying to fill a hole mm-hmm. um, that really only the Lord can and so all of that has led me to 
work that helps people understand what is the gospel and how does it connect to the everyday moment? So like if you're a mom and you're picking your kids up from the school line on a Tuesday, how does the gospel in the Bible have anything to do with that? I believe it does. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the fun space I find myself in because of the way that God has worked in my life to help me get there and my own understanding of what it means mm-hmm. uh, to be a Christian. Elizabeth, imagine you and I were stuck at a stoplight and there was loads of traffic in front of us and I wheeled down my window. Well, you don't wheel down. <laughs> Once upon a time, I'm sort of old enough to remember the days when you kind of maybe would crank down and went, okay. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Just, I just like that. roll with me here. <laughs> I, we press the button and the window comes down. Yeah. And I said, um, hey, lady in the car over there, um, what is the gospel? And you've got like, I don't know, 40 seconds before the lights change and I wheel my window back on fire. It's not funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, for those, for the those visual, who, for whom the word gospel is not just like their daily bread, um, tell us, how would you explain yeah. what the gospel is? I would explain that the gospel is that the life you desire, the happiness, the goodness, the joy, that it is found in relationship um, with God. And we believe God to be the God that is described for us in the Bible. And that in order to be in relationship with him, that we have to acknowledge um, that we have lived in a way that doesn't honor him um, and that has created this kind of gap or chasm in relationship. And the only way to cross that, uh, to deal with that, to be in a relationship with God where life is found is through placing our faith in Jesus. And so through Jesus, the joy, the hope, the peace, I think the things that are in the deep crevices of our hearts that we desire and long for, we're able to experience Mm. in a real big way. But it's only through faith in Jesus that that's possible. Mm. Mm. I love that. So your book, Embrace Your Life, I love the subtitle mm-hmm. of this book. So for those who you didn't catch the first time around, Embrace Your Life, How to Find Joy When the Life You Have is Not the Life You Hoped For. Mm-hmm. I, a couple of nights ago, we were celebrating my best friend Rachel's 20th anniversary of becoming a Christian. And it was, it was delightful because around the table, it was me and her, and then um, we had a, a couple of other like family members and, and friends who had completely different life stages and life experiences so you know everything from kind of 10 year old to <clears throat> I was on the upper end of the the age spectrum there and we were asking the question you know first what were you doing this time 20 years ago and like like a couple of the people my daughter said I was a a thought in the heart of God <laughs> which is lovely um, and then I flipped the question around I said what do you think you'll be doing in or what do you hope you'll be doing in 20 years time and my guess is that Everyone listening to the podcast, if if you sort of stop to think for a minute, unless you're you know very much toward the end of your life, we probably have some idea of what we hope we would be doing in twenty years' time, and that sometimes what we hoped twenty years ago that we were doing is not what we're doing now. And so, I'd love to to just hear, and I know you can't capture like an entire book in a in a short conversation, <laughs> but give us some starting points for you know what inspired you to write this book, and what would you say are some of the biggest take home messages? Um, I'd definitely encourage people to to buy the book and kind of actually read it cover to cover and, and get more of the details there. But give us um, rolled down window. <laughs> the rolled down window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I would say before I was in this space of just speaking and writing, I worked uh, for a church. And so it was my job to meet with people and talk with them about their lives and, and just help them grow in their faith. Uh, figure out what it meant to be a Christian and live that out. And so what I would find is obviously life is hard. Mm. Um, You live for a couple seconds and you realize that. And there would be these two types of groups of people 
of how they dealt with the hardship. And so one, they, they tried to really push through. Um, and this was grounded in their belief in God and what they believed relationship with him provided for them. There's another group of people who I just felt like were stuck. Hmm. Like they just couldn't get past it. It's the people who tell the same story over and over again, um, the same wound, the same inciting incident. And that really made me sad because I believe that, yes, life can have hard moments, but because of our relationship with God through Jesus, that there is hope for goodness, mm. even in the midst of the difficulty. Mm. And these people were not able to capture that. And so part of the reason I wrote this book is for them. Because it's like, okay, Elizabeth, I'm having a hard season, something really bad. And I, when I say hard season, I'm not talking about something that's going to resolve in like a couple of days yeah. or a couple of months, but something that's going to walk with you maybe for some years mm -hmm. or for the entirety of your life. And so it's just like, I don't want this. Mm -hmm. I think everybody can relate to this. Whatever this is, whether it's sickness, it's financial difficulty, it's singleness, uh, where it can be a hard marriage. It can be um, a desire to have children and that's not possible. Like these really big things that people experience. And they're like, Elizabeth, I don't want this. But it's like, sis, you have it. Um, brother, you have it. And how do you put your feet on the floor and live? Uh, mm -hmm. And so what and that's part of my own journey of having those seasons. And it's like, first, how do I like lament what's really sad? I think mm -hmm. we have a culture where just we just want to run past the sad things. And the Bible gives a model for us in the Psalms. Mm -hmm of praying to God uh, and just communicating with him and being honest about what were our emotions. And part of those emotions is anger and frustration about the life circumstances we find ourselves in that mm. we don't want. It's the, where are you God? Yeah. And so lament, how do we lament our pain? But then how do we, in the midst of lament, remember what is true? Mm. Uh, so I have a friend and he always says our emotions are real, but they're not always reliable which means our emotions mm -hmm. are beautiful, they're God-given, but they're not always the clearest picture of what is true about the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so sometimes we need something outside of ourselves. We need a standard. We need a guidepost. And I believe that guidepost is God. And so if in relationship with God, I find the best life possible, then that means that what is true about me being connected to him, even in this moment of difficulty? Mm -hmm. And so I take people through that. And like, how do we have this practice of remembrance based upon the, the information we find in the Bible? And what does the Bible tell me about God? What does it tell me about myself? Like, God's not forgotten me. That God can, can still do miracles, even in the place where I think he's not possible for him to do that. Mm -hmm. And there's still purpose. That's the last place I take people is remember all this good truth. But then God, your life is not wasted. Yeah. Even in the valley moment, there's still something for you to do. And that to do is not this mindless work, but really is to make an impact to help change somebody else's life mm -hmm. for the better. Mm -hmm. um, and so I try to reframe people's vision. But we start with what do we do with the sad stuff? And we slowly make our way up to today, even in the valley, even in the season I don't want, there is something for me to do in terms of making an impact in this world to make for the glory of the one who's created me. Mm. And that would believe the God of the Bible. I, I love how one of the prophecies we have about Jesus in the Bible is that he would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And I think, as you pointed out, sometimes in general, I think often actually in church contexts, we can kind of be very quick to gloss over pain or, or we don't put real suffering kind of often at the center of our conversations but actually the bible does i mean it puts jesus's horrifying excruciating death on a cross abandoned by his friends taunted by his enemies at the center of the story but it's not the end of the story 
so we have both of those things. Yeah, so so actually help us then think for a minute, Elizabeth, about how if if we are people who are, are following Jesus or um or maybe if we're actually not but we're kind of considering what it might look like to to be a Christian, how does your story, how does my story, how does somebody listening to our conversation today's story fit or not fit in with the the big story that the Bible is telling us? So maybe maybe give us an overview. Uh, the flyover view of the story <laughs> that the Bible is telling us and then yeah. um, help us think about how our story may or may not fit into that. Yeah, so the Bible and at its very beginning all the way to the very end um, paints this picture for us of what's happening in the world, right? Like, how did we get here? Why am I here? Who am I? What is happening? Um, and how does it end? Mm. And so the Bible is a story arc. And so like a good movie or a really good book, there is a beginning, there's a climax, and then there's a resolution that we find in the entirety of the Bible. And so at the very beginning in Genesis, uh, we get this description of, Introduction of the main character, which is uh, God himself, talking about how he's created all of the world, including us. And so the word I like to use to describe this creation is shalom. And it's this idea of wholeness, um, that everything is as it ought to be. Everything is perfect. Everything is good. And you have humanity, Adam and Eve, are in this creation living with God. And then a couple pages into the Bible, something happens. And... um, Adam and Eve, as a kind of a condition, I would say, of this relationship that they have with God, it requires that they follow him. Mm-hmm. Like they obey what he says. They live like he says he's, they're supposed to, do, to live. And they don't do that. Uh, they decide to say, you know, I don't want to want to follow the one who's created me. I want to do what I want to do. And the Bible uses the language of sin for that. Um, and sin really is us doing, sin is choose, us choosing to follow in our own way and not follow in the way of God. And that's a really big thing for how the Bible presents how the world works. And so for much of the rest of the story, what you have is this this back and forth dynamic of humanity trying to live live life in their own way live life apart from God, live life based upon their own wisdom, what they think is right for them. And you see this cause destruction. You see how this uh, affects how they relate to one another, how the cities and civilizations they create. And some really horrific things happen that we see described for us in the Bible um, of just what happens when people choose to follow what they want to do and not what God has for us to do. But alongside that, you have God not giving up on his creation. And this is to me what's really beautiful about the story is that in some, again, some really painful moments, I always like to say God sticks to people like glue. He's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to stick with you. There's nothing you can do to make me reject you. And ultimately we see page after page after page, this come to a climax moment with the person of Jesus. Um, And so God enters into this world himself, God, the son, Jesus, and he lives and he dies. And in his death, he lives perfectly. No sin um, does something that we in our humanity cannot do. And so we see in his um, life and death and resurrection that he pays a penalty for our sins. So the Bible tells us that because of our sin, that the penalty for that is death. And we see Jesus take on that death, but he also overcomes it through his resurrection. And what that, again, another beautiful moment is what God has done. It says, I am going to restore the shalom that I created in the beginning and I'm going to do it 
I, what you can't do, I will do. Yeah. Um, and so as we look from the uh, section about Jesus to the very end of the story, what we see is that one day all of what's wrong about the world will be made right. Mm-hmm. All of what's dark and evil will be gone and all that will be left is this goodness and wholeness that we had in the beginning, but even in a better way. And so we kind of live in this in between as those who follow in the way of Jesus. We're like this shalom, this wholeness, this life, this joy that I desire only comes by following Jesus. And I follow him that affects how I show up in the world, that affects how I view myself, how I view other people as I wait for Jesus to return to bring this shalom forever. And so I think that story arc to me just really paints this beautiful picture of this is what life is about. This is what my heart longs for. Mm-hmm. And this is the only place I can find it is in relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I love how you're commenting that actually what God restores at the end, if the Bible is true, is better than what he made at the beginning. I think often people have this idea that in the Bible, you know, you start with this sort of beautiful picture of of humanity and God in, in relationship um, with each other, and like uh, you know, nothing's wrong, and this beautiful garden, uh, sort of idyllic, yeah. Edenic place, yeah. and that by the end of the Bible, you kind of get to this this new creation, this heaven, um, sort of heavenly reality where we're sort of back to square one. But actually, no, we're not back to square one. We're like better than we're yeah. better than square one. And and with at the center, actually not uh, you know not a, a hero who's sent to earth to you know set up his rule and reign here and now, but the the one who's came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a as a ransom. That we have Jesus stepping in, not only to our humanity but actually taking the punishment for our sin and carrying. I love how the Bible describes it as him like carrying our our sorrows and our sickness um, when he went to the cross. See, I think, I mean, for for me, and I'm sure you resonate this with this as well, Elizabeth, the the fact that Jesus can understand, not, I mean, understand is to understate it, but actually Jesus can be with me at my lowest point as well as in the highest point, the greatest kind of ex- ecstasy that we ever experience, that there's that that full range that we can experience with him. What would you say? So you, you, you've talked us through some of this, Elizabeth. But what would you say to somebody who might be listening to this podcast and thinking, you know, I, I feel like um, Christianity might like it sounds like a nice idea, sounds like a nice story, um, but honestly, it's sort of hard for me to believe that that could be true. It, it seems maybe a bit childish to sort of put my hope in, you know, words written in a book. 2000 years ago and, and you know plus because <laughs> obviously yeah. the bible written over over a period of centuries it seems so implausible today in many of our kind of context that that jesus could be the one who not only came to to die for us 2000 years ago but who was actually coming back one day to put all things right um what would you say to somebody who who was like yeah you know lovely story but honestly hard for me to hard yeah. for me to believe that could be true that I probably would have more questions than statements. Mm. Um, and I think a question is to consider, uh, we all put our hope in something. Mm. And so part of what Christianity tries to present is that the object of what we put our hope in is the God of the Bible versus ourselves. Um, and so I think we can believe that, oh, 
what I perceive on my own or my own understanding is enough or mm-hmm. where I can put trust in. In terms of when I think, even when I say trust, it's, it's questions of, well, what's the point of my life? Mm-hmm. You know, why am I here? I think seasons of extreme difficulty sometimes lead us to these questions more than seasons where everything is going okay. Like if, when you experience death, I've recently had um, a really close family member pass away mm-hmm. and it just reminds me of my own mortality. Like outside of Christ, we don't live forever. That's what we believe as Christians. And so it's questions, it's those type of questions that I would ask that person to consider. Where do you believe joy is found? Like where do you believe the purpose of life is? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think in a way that's kind and gracious, um, mm-hmm. that the object of your faith more trustworthy than the object of faith that we see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's to use that as a point of beginning a conversation about why placing our faith in the God of the Bible is a better option than anything else that we've been given in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I was talking with a, a young Christian friend just yesterday, and she was saying that she'd recently bumped into a um a girl she known in high school and now this young woman is studying um you know doing a graduate degree at stanford and do, like you know her resume is very impressive she seems like she's really succeeding and my friend was sort of saying she felt sort of sheepish to talk to share her own kind of life situation which sort of looked on paper much less impressive and and i said to my friend i said oh um is this girl you reconnected with is she is she a christian and she said no i don't i don't think so and i was like well in actual fact if the bible is true are your most impressive friend whose life seems to be going you know so well and has so many kind of resume points and is uh, top of the class and whether it's sort of success in kind of relationships or popularity or, or money or whatever it is Actually, according to Jesus, it's the most horrific failure that anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but uh, whoever loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. And like Jesus famously said, um, what is the point of gaining the whole world and losing your soul? And that conversely, actually, however much we might be disappointed with our life circumstances, actually, if we put our trust in Jesus, the ending of our life the future, our future is incredibly bright, um, which I I personally find yeah. so reassuring just to know like the end of the story, if you're following Jesus and if his claims are true, is better than you could possibly yeah. imagine, kind of reframes. Yeah, that's yeah. however low life is um, now is as low it will ever get. And they're the... Sometimes I like to think about how with the life with the Lord, that the possibilities are endless for the goodness Mm. um, Mm. and the goodness doesn't have an end date to it, uh, which is also something that is a little mind boggling, um, Mm. but is in its beauty, right? That, That what the Bible presents for us is a perfect world without anything broken. And I know we all understand what brokenness and hardship and difficulty and division, like all that stuff is. And it's like the Mm. world won't have any of that. And it will just be beauty forever. Uh, Mm. And that's what we have to look forward to. And there's nothing in no job, no amount of money, no relationship, no amount of fame, nothing that can compare to that. Mm. Well, amen to that, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, you guys have been listening to the Confronting Christianity podcast. You can follow us on uh, Twitter, uh, X, 
XYZ, whatever it's called these days. Uh, or Z, as we say in England. I discovered the other day I was in England last week and I'm so used to being here and hearing people talk about Gen Z. I'd forgotten that in England it's Gen Z. Really? Anyway, that's a completely irrelevant. <laughs> Fun fact. Whatever Gen you are, you can follow us. Uh, on on Instagram, uh, Twitter. I don't go near some of the other platforms, so don't worry about that. Um, or you can leave a review on iTunes and um, maybe suggest if there's a future topic you'd like for us to consider. Thanks again, Elizabeth, for joining us. Until next week, um, I hope you guys who are listening will listen again. <laughs> <laughs>